0: Man, aren't you glad you came to church today? And this has been a great day. You know, um, I love Christmas. I love our traditions. Our family has a lot of traditions that we do. Like, uh, we make Christmas cookies every year, and we go carol to our neighbors uh, on Christmas Day. I love it. I-, I married into the Von Trapp family, if you know my family. Um, I had to learn to play guitar when I just to fit in with this group, And uh, but um I love it because every Christmas day, we go Christmas caroling to nursing homes and to folks, and, and I just love our traditions. And, and traditions, I think, are important because traditions, I believe, make us strong. It's something our kids look forward to, and, and uh, this is one of our traditions at our house. And, and we've done this, this gift ever since our children were little. And... Um, I mean, from the time they were little, we would come together, and and on Christmas Day when we open our presents, or the day that we designate to open our presents for our five, uh, we'll come together, we'll read Luke 2, and then our family will sit around, and this will be the first present we open. And it's, it's, they know what it is, it's, the manger, and if you can guess what's in the present here. And, and it's, it's one of those traditions that uh, even now as adults, and our kids are older, you know, they're teenagers and up, you know, and, um, and it's something we still do because we want our children to not miss the significance of Christmas, that, that the reason we give presents anyway is because Christ came. And Jesus entered human history. And you know, for, for Robin and I, we, we want our kids so badly to, to know Jesus and to follow him. We don't want them to follow Jesus because I'm a pastor and because it would, you know, it makes us look bad if they don't follow him. No, that's not why. We want them to follow Jesus because the, that's the greatest thing they could ever do in their life, is to follow Christ. And we try to help our kids understand that, that that that's the greatest adventure you could ever take, is to follow Jesus. And, and for us, last week, we began kind of our journey um, through the, the Scriptures doing a little bit what we do on Christmas Day. This is baby Jesus that we unwrap every year. And, and for us as a church, this Christmas, what we want to do is take the Bible and unwrap this incredible picture of Jesus, to, to really understand what the Bible says about Christ, who He is, and what He's like. And it's obvious that we, we live in a world that, that is struggling to really understand who Jesus is. And, and it's interesting, most people, they wouldn't have a hard time with the, the history, the historic Jesus, this Jesus who, who entered human history and, and this historical figure. A lot of people in the world, they, they, they historians agree that Jesus lived. He, he existed. And um, there's not much debate on that. But, but it's obvious that we live in a world that doesn't understand who he was and who he is. And, and what I want us to do as a church is, is to really unwrap this and, and, un, un, and understand what the Bible says about this Jesus who came. You know, a lot of people see Jesus as, some people in the world, they'll, they'll see him as, as a good teacher. Oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah, he was that guy, that Jewish teacher that, that was a good man. People followed him. They'll, they'll see him as, some see Jesus as this rebel that lived, that, oh man, he rebelled and he was a rebel. Some see Jesus as a hoax. Man, that was just a fake thing that some man made up and you can't trust that. Some see him as a myth. Oh, that's just this fun fairy tale story like Santa Claus. But, but really, who is Jesus? We as a believers, as as followers of Christ, as, as those that understand the scriptures and are working to, to, to allow God's word to shape the way we live and, and to impact who we are, it's important for us to understand what the Bible reveals about Jesus, that, that um, simply seeing Jesus as a man or as a good teacher, that, that's not an option for us. Because we recognize the Bible as authoritative. God's word is an authority in our lives. That, that, that God's word, when we, when we encounter it and we, and we understand this as revelation of God, that's what the Bible is, it's God's revelation to mankind. And, and this is how we see it. And, and so, so because it is God's revelation, we are compelled to allow His revelation to shape the way we think, to impact the way we live. And that's who we are. We're, we're people of that, that submit to the voice of God in our lives. And, and as as Bible believing Christians, we understand. This Jesus, when he he entered human history, he was God incarnate. That's a theological word called incarnation, which basically means that that God came in the flesh. God entered human history, and and, and, and he's the only way to heaven. And and we live in a a culture with a growing pressure that says, you should adapt, you should update your thinking. You should update your understanding of life and culture. We've moved beyond those old ways. But but the truth is, we as a people of God are called to understand how this revelation shapes our lives. And and you know, when it comes to the scriptures, the the word incarnation, you can't find that in the Bible, that word in the Bible, But, but it's expressed all through the scriptures that Jesus was not just a religious teacher but but he was much he was much more than a man uh, the, the incarnation is this idea that God took on human flesh and in last week we we worked to unpack Jesus as a man that, that Jesus had a human body he he we can relate to him because he was a man he was a human and 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 this morning, we're going to kind of take the second half of that and understand Jesus as God. It was God who came. You see, Jesus was this incredible person, this incredible historical figure that, and he was the only one in history that was God and man at the same time. And this is who the Bible says he is. And, and it's like why, why, why C.S. Lewis, if you've ever read, I would encourage you to read C.S. Lewis. He's written some incredible books. The Chronicles of Narnia, which is a great book to read to your children. He has written uh, Mere Christianity. There's so many titles from C.S. Lewis that he's written. And, uh, and I would challenge you to look at this. But one of the things that C.S. Lewis says is that... Because of what the Bible reveals, because of who Jesus is, one thing that he cannot be for us is mildly important. And, and for, it breaks my heart because for so many, this person of Jesus, Jesus is just mildly important in their lives. And that's something that can't be of us. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 1, but... Um, but before we read the scriptures, I want you to pull out your notes because we're, we're really unpacking and unwrapping this important biblical doctrine. Now, now a lot of times when that word doctrine is mentioned, sometimes people gloss over and go, okay, well, I'm not, I can't understand doctrine. I can't understand theology. Uh, and that's something that, that people think, but, but that's not true. It's important that we understand doctrine. What you believe matters. What you believe about God matters. And I want to challenge us to to understand this biblical doctrine. In your notes it says this. This doctrine of Christ, of the person of Christ, is basically this. When Jesus came into the world, Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man in one person and will be so forever. This is who Jesus is. This is what the Bible reveals. Now stand with me and let's look at John chapter 1, and that's what we're going to read today. We're just going to read verses 1 through 5. And um, fellas, I hear this popping, if I need to get a different mic, that'd be fine. I can hold one if if that's what I need to do. Sounds like we're having some technical difficulties. But hey, you know what? I bet we can still pay attention, right? And so I bet I can still preach. Um, John chapter 1, verse 1. Let's look at this. John writes, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, thanks, Brent. In the the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Now, now John, you may be seated. Thank you so much. You know, John was one of my favorite leaders in all of Scripture, and I love John. When it comes to the disciples, he's my favorite. And honestly, he's the one that I would, I want to be like more than any of them. Though I like Peter. Peter was smart Alec. I'm probably a lot more like Thomas because I doubt a lot. Um, but, but John is the guy that I think, man, if I could ever emulate any disciple, he's the one I want to emulate. Because John, if you know about him, he never left Jesus' side. You know, though he had his struggles, and there was that point in John's life when he was arguing with his brother, remember, about Jesus, who's the, I, I want to sit at your right hand, and, and I bet that really frustrated Jesus because John, John and his brother didn't get it. But, but we know about John because he, he was, when Jesus went to the cross, John never left him. He stayed, he was the only disciple that stayed the whole time. And I think it's interesting to me that, that John was faithful. And, and, I, and I really think that because of his faithfulness, he was the one that was blessed to write the Revelation. He wrote the book of Revelation. And it's interesting because I think God honors faithfulness. Now, we got to understand about John's life. He died in prison, and he was persecuted because of his faith. So it kind of debunks that whole health, wealth, and prosperity. If you follow Jesus, so you're always going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. No, John suffered. And so we got to recognize that, that Jesus didn't just help us come into our lives to make us safe. No, he came into our lives to, to, to help us be significant and make a, make a contribution. And, and that's important that we recognize. But, but John was interesting. We know Acts 4.13 says about John that, that he was unschooled and he was ordinary. And I love that because I feel that way a lot of times. I feel like, man, I'm just ordinary. And, uh, and, and I just, you know, golly, I, I just don't feel that special sometimes. In Acts 4.13, it says that when they saw Peter and John, they were amazed at their teaching because they were unschooled ordinary men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. And, and we know that John's purpose in writing his gospel and, and, and it was, was to let the world understand who Jesus was. If you look, look back at John 20, turn over there real quick. In John chapter 20, John writes the purpose of his gospel in verse 30 and 31. In John chapter 20, he said, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. John says, look, Jesus did a whole bunch of stuff. And, and not all of them were written down. But he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we understand the purpose of John's writing his gospel is that the world would believe in Jesus. And this is what I pray we do. I pray that that we this Christmas season come to to really believe in Jesus and, and really see him as who he is, who the Bible tells him, tells us that he is. Now back to John 1 1, let's look at this and and and, and I love it that John is saying the whole purpose of his gospel is that we would believe in him. And, and by believing in him, we have life in his name. That, that when you, be, to, to, to trust in Christ, to believe in him, to, to, to follow him with all you have, that's the journey to life. And that's why we can't get stuck in all this uh, consumerism of Christmas. And we've got to see who Jesus is. Now look at verse 1. In the beginning, John writes, and, he, and I love it how he goes back to the beginning. In the very beginning was the Word. Now you notice in your Bibles, the Word is capitalized. Okay, this is referencing Christ himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. John was big on, on helping the world understand that Christ, God, came in the flesh. And he, and he says, from the very beginning of time. Before anything existed, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, now we know that, like in the Greek, uh, in this original language, the word logos is used here. Now, not to give you a boring grammatical, Greek grammatical lesson, but, but I do want us to understand the significance of that word. That Jesus is called the Logos, the Word of God, the Word in the flesh. That's what John is saying. Now, now it's interesting. The Greek text here echoes Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there's parallel here between this verse and John 1-1. That was John's intent. John understood that. John understood that, that he wanted the world to understand that Jesus existed from the very beginning. Now, you've, this is important that we understand this because uh, most of us have had Jehovah's Witnesses come to our door. And a Jehovah's Witness will tr- translate this verse differently. They will say, if you engage them and really try to understand what they say, they will say, well, this is truly really translated in the beginning uh, was the word and the word was a God. Have you ever heard that? that they will put the word, oh, well, it's translated A God. Now, now the problem is all through this passage in John 1, this word word logos is used multiple times. And and you know what? It's used in the same way in verse 1 as it is all through John chapter 1. But for whatever reason, a Jehovah's Witness will, will put a God in front of verse 1, but they won't use the same rules in the other verses. But it's written in the same way. So it's important to understand that, that though sometimes like people will talk to you and go, well, I've studied the Greek, and you may go, well, I haven't. Oh, no, what? maybe they're right. No, if you really study the Greek, the Word says, the Bible says, the original language says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And so right here, the Scripture reveals that, that Jesus was God. He was God in the flesh. And, and it's interesting because... Um, most readers of the New Testament would, would recognize that. The Greek speakers would, would understand that. And, 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 you know, it's interesting how we need to understand what the Bible reveals. And this is why I want us to be a church that engages the word. That, that you don't just listen to what I say and go, fine, okay, great, my preacher said this, so it must be true. No, we've got to be able to discern whether or not the preaching that we're hearing is true. Is biblical. Now look at verse 3. John writes this about Jesus. All things were made through him. Think about that. All things were made through him. He was there when everything was created. And without him was not anything made that was made. So he was there at the very beginning of creation. When God said, let there be light, he was saying that, let there be light. And, and it goes on, verse, verse 5, look at this, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, this is why for us, we need to understand who Jesus is, because what, what God has called us to be is the light of the world, and, and he's called us to be representative. At, we, like we say it at our church, we're, we're ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ to the world. And it's important that we are confident and we understand clearly what the Bible reveals about Jesus. That, that he was there at the beginning. And verse 4, in him was life. And see you and I we that have come to know Christ, we have that life it's not just life in this world it's eternal life it's it's hope when we die it's it's the reality that this is not our home that we are called to a different place and and this is the life that God gives to us and I, I, and though there are times in in this world that we face difficulty and we face trial, the reality is Jesus came to give us life and and I'll tell you, if you're searching for meaning, if you're not a believer, you've not yet trusted in Christ, I want you to know the, 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 the questions that you're seeking, the emptiness in your life, can only be filled through Christ. Through knowing him and through, through honoring him and following him. This is why I beg you, I plead with you all the time. Follow Jesus. Come to Jesus today. See who he is. goes on, verse verse 4 the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it you see i am burdened often at the darkness in our world my goodness there's so much pain there's so much darkness and I, and i i tire of these of these of this philosophy that is prevailing in our culture that oh we as human beings are good we are inherently good we are good in and of ourselves but but if all you have to do is study history and recognize that we are selfish we are we are not good by ourselves and and I hear people say oh the uh, you need education that's our that's our our salvation is if we can be educated or or if we can have culture and arts and express ourselves oh that is our salvation but but you know it's interesting is as, as you look at instances through history and you see mankind who are educated and who are artistic and who are cultured but yet can pull off the holocaust and and do some of the worst things to other human beings we need a savior and see, Jesus, every one of us, that's our greatest need. We need a Savior. And the scripture says right here that the light shines in the darkness. And Christmas is such an important, important moment in history. And, and Jesus is such an important gift because it's this moment where the light is shining in the darkness. But look at what it says. But And the darkness has not overcome it. And I love that about, about following Christ, that, that no matter what, opposition we face, no matter what challenges we face, the darkness will never overcome us. Isn't that incredible? That, that you and I have, have the confidence that nothing will stop the message of Christ. No matter what persecution comes to us in, in our country, or, or the, we hear about the persecuted church all around the world, and the gospel will never be stamped out, ever. I love that. Look at verse 14. I want you to notice verse 14 John writes this, and the word became flesh and God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is what John reveals, that, that Jesus, when he entered human history, he became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, he lived among us. And, and, and we looked at this last week. The, the humanity of Jesus points to the fact that we can relate to him. We, can, um, we, we know how to overcome temptation. I, I challenge you to look at that message online. But, but look at this. It says, we have seen his glory. The glory as the, as the only son from the Father, we, we get to see God, and, and we get to experience him move in our lives. And you know what it says about Jesus? John says about Jesus, he is full of grace. Aren't you grateful for that? Oh, I think about, I mean, grace is, is, is giving us a gift that we don't deserve. And I'll tell you, that's why all of us are here. We are here not because we are, we are good in and of ourselves. We are here because Jesus has shown us his grace. He has given us a gift that none of us deserve. And and this is why I pray that we are a church full of grateful people that Jesus would forgive our sin. And and he's full of grace. He's full of truth. That that Jesus is the only way to heaven and we've got to see him for who he is. Now, Now, this morning, If you have your notes, follow along with this, because Jesus in the Scripture is revealed as fully God. Jesus was fully man and fully God at the same time, and he will be so forever. That's the biblical doctrine. Now, now first of all, I want us to understand this. Jesus came to lead us, And, and Jesus as God is an important idea that we need to understand that he existed before the creation of the world. And because Jesus is God, he came to this earth to lead us. And then this is why I pray that we are a people that are constantly saying, Lord, we will submit to your voice. And that we have no option when it comes to a culture that says, hey, quit following the Bible, quit listening to God's voice. No, we, we, God leads us. We are a people that understand surrender, and we understand, Lord, uh, mold us into your image. We're not going to mold you into our image. We are going to allow you to mold us into your image, Lord. But see, we have a world that that is constantly trying to mold God into their image. And we forget that he's molding us into his image. And this is why we, we listen to conviction. When, when, when we open God's word and, and if you're reading the Bible and you, you, you feel conviction of sin, that's a good thing. That, that's how God is, is moving in you. So, so I, I want to encourage you to, to not push away conviction. You know, I, I would challenge you, if, you, if, you can, if you're never convicted of sin, you really ought to look at that. Because the Holy Spirit, when he comes into you, he, he convicts us, he leads us. And Jesus as God shows us several things. Now, now, under this point, I want us to see this. Jesus as God shows us that he's worthy of our worship. And this is something I pray we see. That the Bible reveals Jesus as God, and that means he's worthy to be worshiped. And so it is right for us to come into this place and say, God, we will worship you. I love what Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, the Bible reveals that Jesus is worthy of our worship. So it is right for us to come and say, Jesus, we worship you. We bow before you that the scripture tells us that there will be a day that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You know, the Bible tells us, though, for so many that will be too late. This is the day of grace. We live in the day of grace when, when we have the, the, the blessing of being able to respond to the voice of God. But don't be mistaken, there will be a day, the Bible tells us, where Jesus will come like a thief in the night. Come In the same way that he went to heaven. And, and I'll tell you, that will be a day of judgment, the Bible speaks. And it's important that we recognize Jesus as God is worthy of our worship. It, it, and, and it's, you know, in the Christmas story, when the, when the, in Luke 2, when, when the shepherds are out in the field, and, and they're, they're watching those flocks by night, and, and, and the angel of the Lord show, showed up, and the, the Bible says the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And you would be too, and I would be too. If I'm in the field with my sheep and and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord shone, we'd be like, whoa. And the angel said unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. And Luke 2 says, when the shepherd said, we got to go see this. And then they went, and, and the Bible says that they marveled at what the angels said to the shepherds. And they marveled at that because they said Jesus is Lord. They understood, a, a, a first century Jew understood Lord, that kurios, that means he's the creator. And this is right in line with what John says, that, that Jesus is worthy of our worship. And so they went to worship him. And I want us to see he came to lead us. Jesus came to lead us, and that means several things. We can see this in Scripture, that Jesus as God puts world leaders in their place. Now, I want us to think about this. When you think about how Jesus is leading us right now, you know, there's so much turmoil about our world leaders, and there's so much um, dialogue about this right now. There's so much division in our country. And, and I have so many, I've talked to so many people that are afraid, but I want us to understand that, that God puts world leaders in their place. That doesn't mean we shouldn't vote as Americans, but we should vote and we should participate. But, but understand, God orchestrates that. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus as God puts world leaders in their place. Does that make sense? Jesus, as God, has the ability to, to, to shape the direction of world leaders and move their hearts. Last night, I love our church. Rob and I were driving home from our, our Bible study party. I, I'm a part of a Bible study group that I never go to uh, because I'm always in here. But, but when we party, we party with them. And, uh, and we had our party last night, and, and, and the Vincents, are, it was at their house. And, and Arena grew up in, in, uh, in Russia in the Cold War. And, and her dad was a Baptist preacher in, a, in, in Cold War Russia where it was illegal to be a Christian. And I was like, you got to tell me about that. Last night, we just sat around and she talked about those stories about her mom as a 16-year-old girl was brought in by the KGB, asked to spy on her aunt and uncle, and asked to spy on the church. And and. And, you know, she, she was scared, and she went back to her. They said, don't tell your aunt and uncle. She goes back to their uh, house, and she just tells her aunt and uncle. The KGB calls her in the next day. Goes, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to spy? And they go, she goes, no, I told them all. <laughs> and rather than killing her, they said, I'll ah, just get out of here. See, God knows how to lead governments. And all over the world, the, the, the church in persecution is it's thriving, and we should pray for this. Last night, we, we stopped and prayed for Christians in Russia. It was cool, but look at what this verse says. Um, Isaiah 9-6, a famous verse. For, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That famous Christmas verse that that Jesus as God puts world leaders in their place. And Jesus as God puts world leaders in their place. I love that. Jesus came to lead us. Second thing I want us to see today, Jesus came to provide for us. And Jesus, as God came to provide for us, and, and Jesus, as God does, does several things for us, it proves that, that he answers prayer. Do you know that, that Jesus answers prayer? And that you can pray to him, you can go to him, and it is right for you to do this. And, and we see this all the time in our church. We saw it this week as Matt and Amber Hudler. Um, uh, this week, God answered a prayer in their life. They've been calling out to the Lord. Matt called me this week, and and Amber's been um, been pushed aside at this hospital that she needs some tests in in Cleveland, and she's been overlooked and couldn't get an appointment. And at first she got one, then it was canceled, and 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 this week they were praying. Uh, they they got on their knees the other night and prayed, God, you need to open a door, part the waters like you used to. Please help us get this appointment. They were about to. They'd given up. They'd. God, I just uh, help us. And the next morning, Amber calls. Oh, well, let's get you. Oh, wait, you need to talk to this person. Hey, there's an appointment. Yeah, come on. God opened a door. Yeah, it's still scary. And we're still praying for your healing. But I'll tell you, God is faithful to hear our prayers. And Jesus says, God shows that he answers prayer. I want you to see this moment in the life of Christ. John chapter 8, um, Jesus is having this argument with the Pharisees and, and he's, frust- they're, they're, he's frustrating them. And Jesus says and in, um, in, in makes the statement that I've seen Abraham. And they were like, What? They say in John 8, 57, he says, so the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, look at this, before Abraham was, look what he says, I am. Now, this is not bad grammar in the life of Jesus. He was very intentional about this. And and the Pharisees got so mad at this statement that they immediately grabbed stones and they wanted to kill him. They tried to kill him, but it wasn't time. So guess what? Jesus got away. But they were wanting to kill him because Jesus said, I am. He's referencing when Moses was um, before the Lord and God said, "Who, who should I say is sending me? He said, I am. And here's what I want you to see is that Jesus is ever present. He is with you. You can pray to him. You can go to him. And I, and I pray that we see this. Jesus came to provide for us. Jesus says, God shows that we can, he can hear our prayers. Second, another thing, Jesus says, God gives us strength every time we need it. And, and, and Jesus came to provide for us. He came to, to, to help you, that he gives you strength. He leads you. He guides you. He protects you. He moves in you. And I want us to see that. Remember when Jesus was with his disciples and they were in the boat and he was asleep, and 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 you see Jesus getting up, and 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 it's, it's interesting. Matthew uh, chapter eight, uh, verse twenty six and twenty seven. Uh, the 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 storm is coming, and 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 it's scary. And they said, "Jesus, get up! We're going to die." And he said to them, "Why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith." Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And I want us to see Jesus is God. Jesus, when he entered the human history, he was not just a man. And this is what people think. They think, oh, he's just a teacher. He's just a man. No, only God could stand in front of wind. And we know what it's like to have wind in Oklahoma. I mean, there's a 20-mile-an-hour wind today. But we've all been in those Tornadoes and seen those that we saw the tornado come through 76th Street last year. I think it was last year, a couple years ago, whenever I watched it from my office. And we know the power of wind, and Jesus stood and rebuked that. They were like, Who is this guy? That even the winds and the sea obey him. Well, it's God. And I want you to see that today. You know, he can rebuke whatever storm you're facing. He gives you the strength that you need. We see this all through scripture. That Jesus is one that you can, that provides for you. He will lead you. Last thing. Jesus came to provide for you, but Jesus also came to rescue us. And see, this is the significance of this gift. He came to rescue us. And, and, and I want you to see this. Jesus, as God, proves that he has the power to offer eternal life. And this is something I want you to see, that Jesus, as God, proves this, this, this power that he has to give you and I eternal life. It's like why that verse is so important, so significant, and you know it. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And look at this, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And see, this is what I want you to see today. Who Jesus is, he's God in the flesh. And because he was God, he has the power to rescue you, to offer you this incredible gift of salvation. Do you see him today? Do you see what the Bible says about him? Doesn't that compel you to say, Jesus, I surrender to you? If you're, if you're here today and you've not yet believed in Jesus, come to him. We're going to have an invitation right now. In fact, I want you to stand right where you are. And as, as we stand all over this room, the reason I like standing is because it prepares us. It prepares us to move. And, and, and I'll tell you, we are, a, we are a place. This is a moment, and this is a place where there is freedom to move. The, 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 I actually we're constantly compelled to move when god speaks and if you're here today and you're like you know what i've just seen jesus as a man but i i want to know him as my savior come right now maybe you're here and and for too long jesus has been mildly important can i can i stand in front of you and just plead with you, follow him today. Would you bow your head? Lord Jesus, in this moment,